talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> Or like, I guess when it gets warm, warm, right? Yeah. It's not cooling off, so I can get warm. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History Theory Tells Podcast. I am your host, Moses Surya. With me to my left is Archie. Yo, yo. And with me to my right is my brother, Josh. Uh, yo, yo. I thought today's topic was going to be scary, but the conversation you guys just had about drinking warm beer sounds a lot scary. It's not. It's good. Yeah, I'm not a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm just a sick fuck here. You're the sick fuck. Well, like I said, I don't well, like just drinking warm beer off the bat. No, I, I, I'm crazy, but I'm not that fucking crazy. You're sick, man. Whatever, fuck you. You're yeah, sick, man. So don't today, judge me. I like it. And I thought my story was sick. Well, it's because you're a bitch. So what? today's episode, <laughs> we're going to be talking about basically haunted places and... Just ghost stories yep, yep, yep. that mm-hmm. are here in America. You know, just a quick, simple American ghost story. You know, America. You know, booyah. And um, Say right, bitch. <laughs> and we're dealing with booyah, stories from all over the states, from all yeah. over the racist yep, yep, states. Yep. All the racist states? From all over the racist states. Maybe that's why they have more ghosts over there? Maybe. I know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be talking about New Orleans and I get pretty racist. So wait, you, you get no. I mean, the story it gets my segment gets gets a little racist. A so I, have, I have a little racist story. <laughs> you have a little racist. It's a little racist. It's a little racist. Just a yeah. bit. Something something to do with a one drop rule. A one drop rule. One drop rule. Oh, I can't wait to hear what this fucking means. I don't think I want to hear it. All right. Well, to start off, we have what's called the Green Briar Ghost. And now, usually, you know. When you hear ghosts, you think about, to be honest, I always think about the fucking, uh, the, like the, the classic ghosts, the ghost with the fucking white sheet. Yeah, the Victorian, the most famous Victorian white sheet, haunted mansion, hotel, whatever. Not, not, not going to lie, that's that's my most favorite costume of all. Just the white sheet? So that was, that was just, my, just the white sheet? That was with my favorite on? Halloween. Yeah, that was my favorite Halloween fucking white costume. White sheets with the, with, with the holes in it? Yeah. Because I'm surprised, as simple as a fucking costume as it is, you actually don't see it a lot. And like Halloween parties and shit. It's a fucking classic. I love it. You're fucking lame. <laughs> fucking clansman. Fucking loser. Bro, everyone was like, oh my god, this motherfucker's a fucking ghost. You no, know, I'm a cum shot. <laughs> <laughs> With fucking dark holes. <laughs> That's, you gotta check that out, bro. In the summer of 1896. There was a, a a woman by the name of, or actually a a man by the name of Esmeralda Stribling Shoe, and they moved from Droop Mountain in the Pocahontas County, Virginia, to the sleepy village of Lisbeth's Mill in the Green Hold up, bro! Why Island. are you yelling at me, bro? I'm First yelling? of all, <laughs> who's gonna? Who's this dude? This dude's name sounds like a fucking Harry Potter spell. <laughs> the fuck did you? That's why I got confused, bro. That, bro. All right, all right, all right. Again. In the summer of 1896, a man by the name of Erasmus. Er- Whoa, it's fucking hard the second time. <laughs> Erasmus Stribling Shoe. 
<laughs> That's his fucker's name, bro. So Hermione would say Shriveling shoe? His <laughs> shoe shrivels? His fucking spell, bro. Well, this motherfucker, he moved from Droop Mountain to the Pocahontas County, Virginia, and then to the Sleepy Village and uh, Life Saves Mill in the Greenbrier County. Mm-hmm. Just looks, it just sounds like a cluster fucking places. So this person, uh, Erzmas, was tall, a muscular man, and apparently fucking handsome. I'll show you a fucking picture of this dude later. He accepted a job at the James Crookshanks Blacksmith Shop. Half chub or full chub? Uh, he pretty meaty. He pretty meaty, bro. No, I was asking, when you saw the picture, were you at a full chub or a half chub? <laughs> you, tell me, you tell me, bro. I'll give you I'll give you a little sneaky peek. You looked at me with so much disappointment in those eyes. So oh, much. boy. Look at this man. This man's. Damn, that's a half chub. He's a, he's, he's, he's a dapper looking dude. Yeah. Right? He's a dapper looking dude. Has a little Superman little. Uh, yeah, yeah. He'd be looking like Clark Kent. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you later, but this fucking computer is heavy as fuck. But because his fucking name is so fucking complicated to say, he just often introduced himself as Edward, but eventually everyone just called him Trout. Trout? Trout. So he just he went from Erasmus Stribling Shoe to just Trout. It's my dude, Trout. So shortly after this arrival, Trout met a farmer's daughter by the name of Elva Zona Hester. Zona, which is what she goes by, was instantly in love with Trout when she met him. Or she met him. They courted for a short while and then were married at the Methodist Church on October 20th of 1896. They appeared to be pretty happy and have a happy marriage, but no one knew what actually happened behind closed doors. So, pretty, you know, this random dude, you know how it is. You're in your own little ranchito and stuff, and all of a sudden you, you see like this person you've never seen before. You're like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? I want to yeah, know this guy. A new face. The new face. You know, you're tired of seeing the same old, same old. And you see this new handsome dude strolling on by, and then bam! You so she saw up. new dick. She saw new dick. She's new like, dick. ooh, all right, let me try to let me see what this is all about. And so she fucking madly fell in love with this dude married within like i think they said three months three months after seeing this guy he got the good dick he got the good one i can see why we lose followers yeah i can see why we're losing followers slowly but surely (laughs) but then on january 23rd of 1897 just a year after they were married trotha went to the home of martha jones better known as aunt martha he asked her if her son, Anderson Jones, could go to his house to do some chores to see if Zona needed anything from the store since she was feeling pretty ill. Once inside, the child was horrified uh, to find 23-year-old Zona shoes lifeless body at the foot of the stairs. She laid face down, one arm outreach, her legs completely straight, and her other arm was tucked beneath chest head was tilted slightly so this little kid was a a typical helper of of the house and so every once in a while if if zona needed anything or anything like that she would like call him up like hey you know go to the store you know run like typical errands and stuff so this was nothing out of the usual and uh, it was actually a Victorian custom dictated by the female family and her friends to wash the dress of the deceased. So, typically, if someone passes away, it's always the the family of the wife who's in charge of cleaning, washing the body, and then dressing them. 
But by the time the doctor by the name of Dr. J.M. Not arrived, um, Trout has actually already prepared Zona for her funeral. Oh. So he dressed her in this long gown with a very, very high collar. Yeah. Covering her neck. And he adorned her neck with a scarf along with that. That he insisted for no one to take off. Because apparently, as he said, this scarf was her favorite. And that's, so he, that's not suspicious. So he didn't want anyone to take it off. And so the doctor came in. Trout was actually right there with the body already. Obviously, because he dressed her up and stuff. Yeah. And Dr. Knapp conducted, you know, typical post-mortem to see, well, what happened? You know, what was the cause of the death? Trout was oddly very, very overcome with grief and often wailing uncharacteristically for his persona. Hmm. Dr. Knapp thought that he ought to give the widower her privacy and conclude the examination. What's interesting about this is that every time the doctor started getting close to the neck, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would really start wailing, oh my god, my wife, oh my god. And then, so the, the, basically, the doctor was just like, I'm gonna just get the fuck out of here. You're, just, right, you're not letting me fucking do my job. Okay, I guess you're just grieving. You know what? All, All right. right. Just whatever. Like it's hot. Yeah. yeah. And so he just called he just called it off as okay, you know what, the wife died from heart attack. And for whatever reason, later on changed the cause of death to childbirth for whatever reason, but not even taking any like examination to show that she was pregnant at all. No. For whatever reason. Uh but they did say though Wait, that what? Yeah. I don't know why. He's like, oh, fuck it. He's like heart attack. Uh, now you know what? Childbirth. Childbirth. Sounds whack. Yeah. Because uh, this was a family doctor, and the doctor would uh, was already doing examinations with her and stuff. Yeah. And apparently, that she was having female issues. I don't know what the fuck that means. She's pretty sure she's having period. Yeah, she's probably just having cramps yeah, or something. Yeah. But, yeah. And so he kind of changed it up to childbirth. Uh, that was that was the reason why she had yeah. female problems. Yeah. She had female problems. Must have been childbirth. He's like, he's like, last time she saw me, she was having cramps. She's dead now. Her pussy don't work. <laughs> That's why. That's why she died because her pussy didn't work. She don't work. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Pussy don't work. She don't work. Hey, what's mm-hmm. up, girl? Pussy work. <laughs> sounds oh, horrible. That sounds horrible. She must be alive if it doesn't. I mean, the way he Damn. said it, he whispered it. <laughs> like he's like showing. I didn't whisper that shit. Did I, I whisper? I, I can just, I didn't whisper. I can First just, of all, I can't whisper at all. I can just picture him okay. just going like. He, Why are you picturing he's me in doing Whole, shit? He's in Whole Foods. He's I'm a Whole, Whole Foods? Foods? <laughs> he goes to the freezer section. I fucking the, hate Whole Foods. He sees, a, he sees a girl at the freezer section. He just goes up to her. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> Yo, pussy <wife. laughs> what? Run, try that run away. <laughs> Get out of there as quickly as possible. How do you respond to that? You don't. <laughs> you run away. <laughs> you, res- you respond with a kick to the dick, bro. <laughs> so, <clears throat> again, more custom. Uh, Trout held the wake in his home. The mourners gathered to pay their respects, but Trout wouldn't allow anyone to get near her head. Again, not fucking suss it off. And instead, he fussed with the scarf. He added a veil. He propped her head up with pillows. 
and he claimed that he did all of this just so that way she could rest in peace. <laughs> but he was there, like right next to the body, right next to his wife's body, her deceased wife's body, this entire time. Well, that's his wife, bro. Which makes sense. Let him mourn. But also, like, can you give like the family the respect to also say goodbye too? Like, no, no, no. They had her for the beginning <laughs> of her life. The later stages, like now she's mine. For the later stages, huh? Wow. And so I think by now everyone's kind of thinking like, all right, yeah, something's fishy. Something's kind of fishy, right? This dude's weird. Yeah. And so most of Zona's friends and family thought nothing of Trout's display as grief. It was odd, but apparently, not no one except for the mother thought it was suspicious. Everyone thought that that. He was just, you know, being a, a grieving. It was part husband. of the process. Yeah. Huh. But the mother, by the name of Mary Jane Hester, thought, you know what? I don't trust this guy. She's like, I'm not even crying for this bitch like that. <laughs> She's my daughter. That's my blood. So Mary Jane didn't care much for his son-in-law, and couldn't pi- quite a, couldn't put couldn't quite put a finger on there you go. A, as there you a go. reason for that. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I guess your dick do work. <laughs> So Zona was actually uh, the only daughter and also apparently her best friend. He, they were like inseparable up until the point when she married Trout. Zona spent most of her life in Richland, West Virginia. And it was very hurtful to Mary Jane when Zona uh, up and moved over to the remote hills of Lisbeth's Mill on the other side of Greenberry County to make a home with a person that answered to the name of Trout. Perhaps it was her mother's intuition. But Mary Jane just knew that he had something to do with her daughter's death. He just thought, you know what? It's fucking fishy ass, dude. Mary also knew in the Bible that in uh, uh, the Thessalonians 5.17 told her to pray without ceasing. Mary Jane prayed for nights at the end, on end and that her daughter would somehow come back only to tell her side of the things and to say goodbye. After several Prayful and restless nights, just as Mary uh, Jane lay down, a strange light entered the bedroom. Huh. The aura began to take human form, and after a few awestruck moments, her daughter once again stood before her. She didn't just stand there like some fantastical vision, she spoke. Ah, it's a trick! Zona's ghost told her mother about the night that she died. The night before her young Anderson body, before the, the the young Anderson body was found, Trout came home and looked at the at the feast his wife prepared. She served an apple butter, a spread of preserves, and good bread. She didn't cook anything meant. In fact, threw old Trout into a fit of rage. So basically, this is what you made her fucking eat. Mm-hmm. He attacked her and placed a hand on each side of her head. With a quick motion, the entity explained, he dislocated her neck. Oh! Zona's ghost revealed that it wasn't the first time her husband hit her. Trout had a terrible temper, and she couldn't reason with him. Zona went on to describe the neighborhood they lived in and the view from Aunt Martha's home since Mary Jane hadn't visited for three months. Zona and Trout were married until the funeral. The spirit vanished, but returned each night for four nights. And on the second night, 
and told her mother again how Trout squeezed her neck. Specifically, the ghost said that he snapped it at the first joint. Damn. On the last night, as if to make her final point, Zona twisted her head around 180 degrees, presumably <laughs> to show her mother how broken her neck was. Hey, Mom, Mom this serious. is how I died. Mom, I'm serious. Look how broke this shit is. Now, Mom wasn't just feeling the strange feeling inside of her, thinking, you know what? Something's wrong. It was confirmed by her daughter's ghost. Now, armed with Zona's tale, Mary Jane paid a visit to the prosecuting attorney, John Preston, in Lewisburg. And of course, Mr. Pressman dismissed Mary Jane's paranormal experience and thought, you know what? You're just hallucinating, lady. This is, you're just dreaming about this. Telling me a ghost told you this? Your who said what? No, no. But he did take interest in the fact that Dr. Knapp didn't perform a thorough investigation. And for that reason, John Preston ordered Zona's body to be moved from the grave to be examined once again. Damn. Do, uh, Dr. Nat Rupert and McClung conducted the second postmortem examination with Trout present. Trout kept his composure as the doctors examined the lower portion of the body, but he became visibly shaken as the doctors neared her head and neck. And to everyone's astonishment, Zona's corpse had finger-shaped bruises on the neck. Her windpipe was crushed. Most surprisingly, her neck was fractured at the first and second vertebrae precisely as the spirit has claimed. So now, it's time to go to court, bitches. Coroner's inquest was held on March 1st of 1987. Trout would accept no responsibility in his wife's death. The jury couldn't overlook the mounting circumstantial evidence that charged him with murder. This entire time, Trout was like, it's not me, guys. It's not me. Trout's trial began in Lewisburg on June the 30th, the same year. He hired defense lawyers William Reckler and James Garner to be present with him in the court. Incidentally, James Garner was the first black lawyer to practice a circuit court in the state. Fun fact. During his time in the stand, Trout claimed the charges were a consequence of having a spiteful mother-in-law and nothing more. <laughs> My, she's crazy. Don't believe her. She saw a ghost. What? He went on about minute details and quickly denied anything and all. The jury learned that not only had Trout been a horse thief, but Zona was his third wife. The first one left because he beat her, and the second one died suddenly and inexplicably. Damn. So, my dude doesn't have a good track record. He already has a track record. <laughs> yeah. John Preston was reluctant to have Mary Jane Hester as a witness. He said, whatever you do, please don't fucking tell your ghost story. It's going to make you look bad. And discredit yourself and no one's gonna fucking believe you. The defense smugly called Mary Jane to stand her and thought that if she would tell her story that everyone would just ridicule her. But instead, when she started saying her story, the jury thought, you know what? She's onto something. No one thought she was crazy. Everyone, th everyone thought, you know what? Considering the facts, I believe you. The jury was left with circumstantial evidence and the judge cautioned them. There's no middle ground for the jury to take. The verdict inevitably and logically must be for the murder or the first degree or uh, acquaintance. The jury convened 
for one hour and 10 minutes before they found Rasmus Trout Shoe guilty. Oh, yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison on March 13th of 1900. <clears throat> Trout decided uh, died in West Virginia State Penitentiary at Moundstone at the age of 39. What's interesting that I, I saw about videos about this yeah. was that <clears throat> people were fucking outraged with this dude. What do you mean? Meaning, like, after he was, you know, convicted and found guilty, there was a fucking mob that was outside of the jail cell where he was held, screaming and yelling to the police, let him fucking out. We want to fucking hang him. Oh. So they wanted blood. They wanted blood. They're looking for blood. Yeah. Like, he fucking deserves death. He does (laughs) not deserve life in prison. And so, to avoid the craziness that was happening there... They yeah. kind of secretly removed him from that place and moved him somewhere else. And that's where he just and ended then, up dying. Yeah. And you say he died at the age of 39? Is that what you stated? Yeah. Yeah. At the age of yeah. 39. With the 1900s, though, that's, oh, probably like, what, though? that's probably like just, 80. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Old age. Well, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> old age. That was old age. Bro, we're almost there, bro. It's yeah. the 1900s. Yeah. yeah. 39, that's like what? 80? Yeah. 80. Do you guys remember in uh, what we do in the shadows? Yeah. Where, movie um, or the movie. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. The movie. Okay. Where was it Vlad the Poker? He's the Impaler? Well, he, his name, I think, is the Vlad the Poker. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in, the, in the thing. Yeah, the Impaler guy. Where he's like, oh, I was turned into a vampire when I was 16. He's like, obviously, 16, you had it rough back then. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Dude, I fucking. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you introduced me to that fucking movie. Have you seen the show? Uh, I saw bits of it, but then I don't know why. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's 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 hilarious. Season two is hilarious. (sighs) Chef's kiss. So, you know, Achi was talking about, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, we have our own little ghost stories. But one thing I wanted to re-mention, reintroduce is a, a city known for its ghosts and ghost stories. I'm talking about New Orleans. Ooh, the fucking hub. We already have an episode on... We have a few episodes on New Orleans. We have one on New Orleans specifically. Bro, you can make a podcast off of New Orleans. Fuck yeah. And then we have three, two episodes. Is it two or three on, on LaLaurie? Yeah. I think it's two or three. That's two. That's two? It? Yeah. It's two. It's two. All right, yeah. So, you know, go check those out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when it comes to haunted places in America... I couldn't think of a more appropriate place than, you know, New Orleans. The city that houses a ghost or ghost story around every corner. Famously or infamously, the French Quarter is best experienced in the evening when all the day people have clocked out and gone home. New Orleans is described as a place that actually resembles no other city on the face of the earth, yet it recalls vague memories of a hundred cities. So as soon as the sun goes down, the ghost tours begin. You know, you usually see these all over town where a group of 15 to 20 people, they huddle up around stores and corners, hearing ghost stories that range from believable to ridiculous. So on the block of Royal Street, a naked woman will appear on the roof of one building under the bright moonlight. So before and after the Civil War, see, I was thinking about it, I'm like, is this post or pre-Mardi Gras 
Because if, be- <laughs> if it's Mardi Gras, you're going to see a lot mm. of naked women on rooftops. I thought you were going to ask if her pussy was. No, this is... Hey! Does your pussy work? That's Josh. It's not me, bro. That's Josh. bro. So before and after the Civil War, that's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> Did you pussy work? You pussy hey, work? Oh when we're making merch. <laughs> <laughs> Does your pussy work? So before and after the Civil War. Here's all our female listeners. We're sorry. And that's half of our listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, so I'm the bad guy. What? It's genuine. Hey. We started, bro. Uh, don't say that's not a general question. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you, want, so you admit you used this line before. <laughs> it's bound to work. Bound to work. So far it hasn't, but it's bound so to work. So far it hasn't, of course not. No. So before and after <sighs> the Civil War, white men kept octoroon side pieces. What? You're, what you're is wondering, that? What's octoroon? It's okay. someone who is or was, because we don't use the term anymore, one eighth black. So that was a fucking that term. was a thing. Octoroon. Is there one for like one fourth black? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. So octoroon is when you have a grandparent, right? That's black. Because it's grandparents, so it's like let's say your grandma was black, uh-huh. your grandpa was white, and then you have two. Oh, I so see. it's like I one. See. So she's Got one it. eighth Got black, it. right? Okay. Um. So during back then during the Civil War. They would count that? That's These crazy, octo- dude. Well, this is why. These octoroon side pieces. Um, so, the, yeah. So, these white men kept octoroon side pieces. And these women passed as white. You know, because they were one eight black. So, they were light-skinned. Right. But they had that, quote-unquote, exotic look about them. So, that's why the white men liked them. But, because the world was extremely more racist back then, there was this rule here in the United States called the one-drop rule. And the one drop rule was that if a single drop of, if you had a single drop of black blood, black blood in you, you were black. And back then, black people were treated very fucking horrible. Absolutely. So these women were just used as these side pieces, these side playthings, whatever. Right. And by these rich white men, and they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't go to court. They couldn't do anything because they were considered. They were just considered lesser than. Does it matter if you're one fourth, one eighth, one fucking one drop rule? That's Bro. racist. That's fuck. So because of this one drop rule, that let that let these women who were mixed be literally treated less fairly than property by these right by these rich white men. And when they were caught cheating, or when they were getting like they would just throw them away. They'll just like ship them off somewhere, what? or like I don't want you here, or I don't want you anymore, or. I'm discarding you. Don't ever talk to me again. Yeah. And she couldn't do anything. If he, if he, if he got a praying or did something, Doesn't she matter. she couldn't do anything. Yeah. No one will. They, they had no rights. They were octoroon. So. Dang. But in this house, the house where you look up and you see this naked woman, mm-hmm. that naked woman, mm-hmm. things turned out a little different. So this rich white guy who lived at this particular house, he kept a mistress whose name is sometimes given as Julie. It's a ghost story, so sometimes she's not even given a name. Mm. But in okay. this case, it's Julie. Mm-hmm. Julie. And Julie was nothing more than this rich white guy's little plaything. But she fell in love with him nonetheless. And after numerous times of her asking, please marry me, please marry me, please marry me. And him saying, no, it's going to look bad on me. Like, what are you, stupid? He decided to pull a horrible prank on her and told her, all right, I'll marry you. 
Sí. Only if you last a whole night on the roof naked. What? She's like, okay. And she went on the roof and he locked the door. And during the night, she died of hypothermia. Oh. And that's why she can still be seen on the roof. Because she's still waiting for her to get married. Wow, that's a fucking that tragic sad. story. Sorry, but what the fuck? Right? It's fucking horrible. Everything about that story is horrible. But the story of Julie is one of many ghost stories that are a shitty reminder of New Orleans' racist past. And there's, there's a lot of ghost stories that just try to reaffirm an ugly stereotype of many mixed women wanting to join white society and going to great and dangerous lengths to do so. So there's a lot of these ghost stories that end like this. These women, black women, mixed women, colored women, they fawn and pawn over these white men because they want to be treated as a human so bad that they go to horrible lengths that eventually lead them to horrible ends. Mm. And that's there's a lot of ghost stories that tend to end that way in New Orleans. But that's not to say that New Orleans is not fucking haunted. There are ghost stories like that, and then there are legit fucking ghost stories. Because New Orleans is haunted as fuck. The yard around Jackson Square, which is around 300 like meters, whatever, mm. it's the most haunted place in the fucking world. And there are four reasons for this fucking spookiness. Mm. Why it's the most haunted place in the world. For one, New Orleans is old as fuck. So much shit has happened there. Specifically there, since that is like the main square of New Orleans. Mm. So much shit has happened there. It's the city's so old that a bunch of shit has happened there, too. Because it's so old, it's had a long history of fires, floods, and other epidemics. So there's so much death that's just concentrated in New Orleans. Three, New Orleans has a history of violence, crime, and public executions, specifically in Jackson Square, which is where they held their public executions. And then all of this is packed into one little area, the French Quarter. Yeah. And finally, they say the reason why it's so haunted, because it's such a beautiful city and it's a city that everybody loves, even the dead, and they never want to leave. I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of dope. You know what I mean? It's it's morbidly beautiful. Also, I like that. Disgusting. Yeah. Also. (laughs) I like that. It's disgusting. disgusting. I was going to say it's disgustingly beautiful, but it's not, it's not disgusting. It's not. So also, New Orleans. It differs from almost any other city in America in the fact that they have multiple cities of the dead or necropolises scattered throughout. If you guys don't know what those are, right. it's basically graveyards where they bury the dead yeah. on the ground, not underground. Oh, uh, you know where you walk like in, above ground graveyards? Yeah. yeah. You know where they have um, the little houses crypts, and, so, yeah, yeah, and yeah, things like that. And the reason for it is because fucking New Orleans is all swamp. It's fucking wet. Yeah. You can't dig. You can't bury them. So their cemeteries are transformed into sometimes elaborate mausoleums. Like, let's take St. Louis Cemetery, for example. For family crypts rival some cities' vias. There are fucking crypts that are huge that look like beautiful fucking houses. But that's where, that's a family's crypt. That's where right. this whole generation is going to go and get buried in there. It's not just one that's person. That's insane, dude. You get a house. You get a house for the dead. He said, one day you're going to be buried. Better put me some fucking some 30 inch woofers in there. 30 inch? It's going to be a fucking blast. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Frank. 
I'm like Frank from It's Always Sunny. If I'm dead, just throw me in the trash. What do I care? I'm dead. Because <laughs> like, when I go, just throw Fuck me in the trash. Frank, what would I care? I'm dead. <laughs> Many of these once amazing Grand Crips, they have fallen into unrepair, making sections of the cemetery look like gothic ruins. And that's where you find a bunch of goths and vampires and people just chilling. You know what I mean? It, it's they'd like to go there for the vibes, like we mentioned last episode. Oh, there for the vibes. first of all, last episode didn't have no vibes. It was all vibes. Bro. It was. It was. <laughs> Did we call it vibes? We 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 mentioned the word vibe. That's about as vibe as he can stop saying vibes. That's it. it was vibe. So this, so, like, not only is this like ma- ma- mausoleum, these mausoleums, this fucking. Necropolypses, fucking just fucking filled with dead bodies. The walls, the <laughs> the walls of these fucking necropolises, fucking like encase this fucking area. Yeah, they bur- they put dead people in these walls. Put what? dead people in the walls because those are the people that can't afford crypts or maus- or ma- uh, huge mausoleums. So they just put them in the walls. They just get put in the walls. Oh, I see what you mean. I know what you're talking about. I thought they like literally like here's fucking bones and shit. Here's crocky. Let's put him in. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, it's a wall where you just put a dead body in the wall. Yeah, but like in the hole and stuff, right? Like the fucking. Yeah, it's a it's, yeah. a, it's a coffin, but yeah. this, this, they're still in the wall. I, yeah. I, I thought I was I was just just was, the body itself. I was just, I was in my head I was thinking like fucking uh the Paris catacombs type of thing. Oh, yeah. okay. That's so why you're like, put them in the wall because they can't afford. That's that's the first decade to my mind. Oh, where it's just like the skull, just like, all right, I guess we're, I guess, I guess it's do the skull's a doorknob. Yeah. Shit like that. Okay. Uh, so came all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. They, they give, they're giving the death some respect. All right. When you said. That's some respect. Uh, when you that's said. Respect. When you questioned it, I thought you were thinking that they put the people on the wall like in Attack on Titan. They just propped up the person and just fucking cement over him. Like, yeah. All right, just, <laughs> go, you know, seal it off. One. So, so you know, it's a beautiful place for the dead. They have these cities of the dead. Everything is beautiful. And ironically, New Orleans is the worst place to be if you are a corpse. So, if there's any corpses out there listening, don't go to New Orleans. <laughs> any corpses out there listening? Because. Speaking of corpses, Cannibal Corpses dropped the... Oh, the album? No, nah, the music video for Inhuman Harvest. Uh, you know, for the single that's fucking top-notch. I mean, it's horrible. I don't know. <laughs> but go check it out. That's a, uh, so that's the, song, a, the song is dope, but the video, oh my God. not so much. Uh, have Cannibal you Corpse, listened to the song? That song has not... They have uh, not Inhuman sounded, Harvest? They have uh, not sounded no? better in my... I, it is heavy as fuck, dude. Well, I mean, they have... Um, you know, uh, guys, we're going to go on a little rant. They have Eric Rutten from fucking um, Hate Eternal as their fucking new guitarist. Fucking play this song right now, bro. <laughs> no, he, he, uh, he no the whole listener is going to listen to this shit. The snippet. Guys, 20 I'm a, seconds. I'm going to post a music video on the show notes. Episode <laughs> show notes. Let, Just check let it the out. listeners headbang for 20 seconds.
No, but like, <laughs> so, so like I said, New Orleans is a dick place to be a corpse. Yeah. It's a dick place to be a corpse. Because they have this bacteria that fucking goes super sane in its human environment where it'll just eat the living shit out of the flesh. A corpse, New York City, Ohio, places that are cold, you know, yeah. the corpse will stay there for a long yeah. while. But New Orleans and this fucking bacteria, uh-huh. bodies don't last a year underground or buried. So it looks like before the body has bones. been there for a long ass fucking time. Yep. It's only been a year. It has there. If you bury somebody and go look at them nine months yeah. later, they're just bones. There's nothing left. It's like just, how old is his body? 2019. What the fuck? Fucking 37 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. Just fucking burned him this morning. Just got back what from the lunch. fuck just happened? So we all know the New Orleans was bought from the French in the Louisiana Purchase, right? Or you know, I just, I just wrinkled your brain a little. I'm, if you I'm, guys forgot, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. Well, you, you know? added a question there, as of like you were. Oh, I didn't know down. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hence, that's why it's called New Orleans, oh, right? Right. Okay. Okay. The New Orleans. Well, before that happened, okay. The French had this funny policy of sending young women. They said, we're going to send young women, but mostly they'll just send prostitutes and felons. They were women, though, but they were prostitutes and felons to their colonies for marriage, right? Yeah. So if, if France, for example, like when they, when, when they claimed New Orleans, it becomes to France. They, they sent a lot of people over here. A lot of workers here, the colony, they're like, hey, yo, bro, like, we need some girls. Mm. Don't worry. We got you guys. We're going to send you guys some women for you guys to marry. And all they would send is just prostitutes and felons. France, fucking hoods. France is like, we're getting rid of all the females that we do not want and send them to you guys. All the baddies? All the baddies. All the baddies. And these women were sent to Canada, yeah, Louisiana, yeah. and the French West Indies, anywhere France had a territory. Among these groups of women, so among these women, <laughs> among many of these women were the casket girls. The what? Casket. The casket girls. These girls were from orphanages and convents. Okay. You know, like women that grew up in churches and things okay. of that nature. Yeah. Well, rumors suggest that during these pilgrimages of these casket girls, mm-hmm. That vampires were smuggled and made their way into New Orleans. That literal caskets were brought on many of these ships and smuggled the beautiful undead into New Orleans. All the women, pale and some said to be wearing clothes peppered in blood, blood. coming from convents and orphanages arrived and stayed in the Ursuline convent until they were married. So they were so when they got when they got to New Orleans, all these casket girls were sent to this convent. You guys are gonna live here until you find a husband. What? Yeah, they don't want these holy girls out here with all these holy? Yeah. Holy. Oh, okay. Holy? Holy. So casket girls. This is where uh, the vampire myth comes. This, this is where, um, 
legend meets history, right? Okay, okay. Because women actually did come from, you know, from New from France over to New Orleans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some people say it was just women. Other people say vampires were stunk in. Vampires. So, according to the Illuminati elite, who is obviously trying to bury vampire history. Who? The Illuminati elite. Oh, okay. These casket I girls. Thought you, I thought you were going to say someone specific. No. So, all right. Okay. So, this is what they tell you. When they, this is the story they're going to give you when they say casket girls were not vampires. Okay. Right? Right. These casket girls, they're called caskets because that's what they called the bags that they came in with, with caskets. Mm, okay. Not caskets, like. Right. Right? They had a dick of a journey just getting to America. <laughs> these women. A dick of a journey, huh? These women, they were pale and gaunt looking when they got here because they just spent most of the time below deck. Uh-huh. That's why when they got here, because there were all these, oh, you say they're not vampires. Well, there's all these fucking g- pale, skinny women coming out of ships covered in blood. Well, yeah, they're covered in blood because they had fucking tuberculosis and they're coughing up all over each other. Fuck. And, and um, that that's where the vampire comparison comes in. Uh-huh. All these people are like, Vampires came in. Why do you say it's vampires? Because a ship got here in the middle of the night, and there's these girls who were carrying out these big, bo- these big caskets out of these big boxes out of the ships, and they were skinny and super white. And I think I saw blood on their uniforms and things of that nature. So too many coincidences. Also, the vampire legend goes further than just the voyage and puts the convent as the main hub of these vampires. Vamp- how, how would you how would you vamp vampress that's one how would what is what is the plural female word for vampires vampress vamp- vampresses i'm calling shit dead pussy <laughs> vampresses i'm gonna say all right. vampress all right copyright so in this convent webster are you listening and so a convent i just invented a new word i better get credit for it <laughs> vampresses <laughs> Vampresses again. Vampresses. He's in the sentence. There's another word that yeah. That the has convent as the main hub of these vampresses. <laughs> keep going. So <laughs> these women that came from France and stayed in this convent, mm-hmm. they worked. They all stayed on the third floor, specifically the third floor, where it was said. That on any given night, you'd see many of these vampire women flying out to terrorize the town. What the fuck? It got so brutal, and the mortality rate in New Orleans skyrocketed as soon as these women got there. That's fact. The mortality rate just, for whatever reason, just people just started dying after these women showed up. It's death. That, the convent had to nail these windows shut so they wouldn't fly out what <laughs> and it's rumored that each nail uh-huh. was blessed by the pope so even the vampire the vampresses uh-huh. couldn't <laughs> couldn't break out look at him trying to say it with a straight face vampresses <laughs> it got so crazy that in the that in 1978 a pair of of paranormal investigators snuck in over the walls in the darkness of night okay. to see if the casket girls were in fact 
vampires. Mm. Following morning, the bodies were found ravaged and drained of blood. And this is fact. A bunch of paranormal investigators hopped the gate because it's a convent. It's like right. a mansion place. Right. So they hopped <laughs> the gate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They told people they had this equipment. All this bullshit happened. Later, in the next morning, they found their bodies in the front steps of the convent. And 80% of the blood was drained. But there was no mess. Those same Those paranormal investigators. investigators. What? Oh, they were dream dream. Oh, you say vampresses don't exist? Vampresses. 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 And, um... I there's so much more to this casket girl story that I, I just wanted to mention it because I want to do a full story on it. There's accounts, there's fucking murders. The fact that these women showed up. So there's a lot of bullshit on that. There's, there's vampires. Yeah. You know, I love vampires. And we all know you love vampires, huh? You fucking prick. Go date one. Fuck, I want one. What if I could, <laughs> bitch? I could if I would. I, if there's any vampires is listening. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm a pretty big guy. There's a lot of blood in me. <laughs> but it's good blood. Bags can be choosers, bro. <laughs> There's a lot of it. So, also as you know, so yeah. There's a lot. There's a bunch of shit that that happened in New Orleans when all these women showed up. Like one of the weirdest things is that they showed up and the fucking a bunch of the mortality rate went up, like yeah. skyrocketed. Which, okay, it, it could attribute to like how you said that they had what? What was it? Tuberculosis? Tuberculosis? That could have fucking infected the people. I mean, one, they sent sent prostitutes. And second, they sent fucking... What the fuck did you say? It was prostitutes and felons? Yeah. Which, right, (laughs) exactly. But then what was fucking trippy from that whole story was the fact that they fucking had to nail the windows. And then on top of that, these two fucking paranormal investigators are just like, their bodies outside, fucking 80% of their blood gone. When you said that, that was that's fucking trip. What was funny when he said that they're flying out the third window? Yeah, uh, third story. Yeah, window, yeah. I pictured uh, fucking Power Rangers, the the fucking birds. Uh, yeah, when they start flying from the fucking from the moon all the way down to Earth, like wow. Oh I pictured them saying that. <laughs> You're fucked. You're fucked. You're fucked. You ruined this whole episode. Hopefully, I did. <laughs> you ruined my vampires. Fuck them all. Now no one's going to call you, bro. So, yeah, that's going to mean, you know, stay tuned because I want to do a casket girl episode. A I mini love, episode? I love doing I love doing vampires. The caskets. Vampires. Vampires. Now, whether you believe in the supernatural or not, one thing is for certain. Everyone loves the thrill and terrifying tales of ghost stories. Yeah. Right? 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 Now, sadly, the best ghost stories are the ones that have a tragic true story behind them. In this case, we're going to Portland. Hey, I've been there. How was Portland? Bro, it's... I like the culture. Okay. Don't like the city. Why don't you like the city? I like the downtown area. You don't like the downtown? It's not for you? Not for me. It's not for you. It's think of a downtown LA. Okay. Just wet. Just wet. <laughs> but like, just more, more of that downtown. 
ness to it. Right. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Right. yeah. But Springfield and fucking Eugene. Whew. Recommend. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. All right. So what's going down in Portland, though? Well, I'm taking you to uh, to a bridge known as St. John's Bridge. Ooh, and right. under that bridge, there's okay. a park known as a Cathedral Park. And this is where the sad, tragic story and, quote unquote, the rumor and the beginning of this haunting place. Okay. So the victim. Thelma Ann Taylor was an American 15-year-old girl who was murdered in Portland, Oregon in 1949 after having disappeared on August 5th. Her body was discovered the following week on August 11th. Taylor's murder became a cause and the perpetrator, Morris Leland, or Leland was executed in 1953. The site of the murder in St. John's occurred underneath the St. John's Bridge on land that is now known as the Cathedral Park. Now, on August 11, 1949, Lingman was arrested for automobile theft by the Portland police and confessed to kidnapping and murdering Taylor, though he claimed she had gone with him, quote-unquote, yeah, willingly. On August 19th, he was indicted on charges of first-degree murder. At his trial, Leland pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. His trial began on October 4th, 1949, and on November 11th, he was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. Leland was initially sentenced to die on January 20th, 1950, but this date was moved after he filed for a new trial. However, his plea for a new trial was denied on December 18th, 1949. On April 20th, 1951, Morris was sentenced to be executed. He was executed by the gas chamber on January 9th of 1953 at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem, Oregon. So he got what he deserved. Correct. Mm. Now, the haunting, people say they hear voices. They can hear Telma's voice pleading for help. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, it's... At daytime, it doesn't look too creepy, but at night, seeing this massive bridge build off of just suspensions and just the eerie vibe you get from it right. makes it creepy, plus the tell and the rumor, well, not the rumor, the, the murder that right. happened underneath that bridge. People would hear screams at night. Some people were saying, no, just people pranking other people. But just seeing a picture of this bridge or just being there... Mm-hmm gives out that creepy vibe yeah because the bridge the pillars that it's built on it's like this for whatever reason well first of all this whole this part of the city is called bridge city apparently there's like a shitload of bridges right so it's called just bridge city sounds like a fucking sonic the hedgehog map bro sounds like a boss map bridge city (laughs) bridge city fuck it's called bridge city and then for whatever reason they decided to make this bridge look like this fucking 1890 victorian gothic ass like it has like these huge gothic spiky pillars that come back down. It's just like really weird. I want to see context. what this looks like. It's it's very it's it's colored ugly. It's like a ugly green, but yeah. Okay. We'll sh- I'll, I'll, I'll show you All after right. the episode. I might have passed by it. Not entirely sure. I mean, it's a it, it's a pretty big bridge, so yeah. maybe I'll take a look at it. Yeah, it's 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 extremely creepy. Yeah. And then the whole hearing voices and stuff. Um, 
there's signs under the bridge. Again, there's a park there. So there's signs saying, hey, uh, park at your own risk. What? Because there's falling debris that people, oh, the shit okay. will fall. Yeah. And since it's massive, it, right, it can echo down there. Right. So sometimes the falling of objects, people can confuse <laughs> it to screaming or oh, anything like that. But uh, yeah, there's different stories of people hearing mm-hmm. voices mm-hmm. pleading for help. Yeah, like it's, it's weird too because like he admitted to murdering her, but that's part of the whole scary thing is that no, like he said he killed her, but everyone around the area has like their own little version of how she died and stuff. Some people are like, she was tortured for seven days, which is why you scream her. She was raped down here. There's a bunch of different like little things, right? Like about yeah, her murder. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, those rumors were spread by. Oh, but it happened uh, after. Yeah. yeah, it happened way after. But he himself said himself he was like i did not rape her he's like something that's that i i I didn't do and i I think her body wasn't even found like with any uh uh, rape uh signs from what i could recall but yeah a lot of people spread these fucking rumors that she was tortured for seven days Mm. she was raped i mean you like yeah you go on YouTube and you can find videos of just people randomly going into the, because it's Portland, you know. Portland's a fucking um, it's uh, what do you call it when uh, people go visit city? It's a touristy, it's a touristy, it's a touristy city. Yeah. So you know when you, especially you know, we're now in the true crime era where like you know everyone's oh, Netflix and everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. people just like taking the little tours. You can see videos of this bridge. You can see videos of people going underneath the bridge, like. You can see it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look. It doesn't look like much now. It looks kind of pretty. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, it's like super. St- it looks. It's very. It, it's very. The bridge is very gothic because mm. it's like it's a stone bridge, and it ends in a road that splits. And one of the and when it splits, the one of the roads goes underneath the bridge. Oh, okay. So back then when she was murdered, it wasn't a pretty little spot like it is now. It was just like a L.A. bridge with just a bunch of trash and shit thrown everywhere. Yeah, just thrown down there. So this is a picture of an angle of the bridge. That looks fucking sick. Yeah, that looks pretty sick. I wonder if that's by the brewery that I went to. I remember seeing like it's a green bridge, right? Yeah. I think I remember seeing. Because it, it around that area looked like very like industrial. I remember. I that da- I don't. I've never been important, so I can't tell you if it's... You're wrong. <laughs> you're right or wrong. My intuition says you're wrong. Yeah, but that bridge looks pretty cool. And, you know, we have one of my buddies that you visited. One of our buddies that yeah. you went to go visit when you were up there. Shout out to Spanky. Shout out to Spanky. And Spanky. I told, and I told him, I'm like, hey, when are you going to go to Portland? <laughs> He's like, what? When are you going to go to Portland? And I'm like, for what? I need you to go at night and take a picture of this bridge for me. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Nothing. He's like, he's like, Nothing. oh no, he's like, well, I'll go when you come down here. Oh, oh. so now my, so now my yeah. stupid ass. Now, got you, stupid now you gotta go take the picture yourself. Yeah, and I'm gonna go. So you him. left on my red or what? No, you gotta go right now. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go right now so we can put that in our uh, Instagram post. And our final ghost adventure destination is gonna take us over to Charleston, South Carolina. Now, one of the most popular legends in Charleston is about a young girl by the name of Anna Ravno. Even today, Ravno is a big and popular name in Charleston. In fact, when the Cooper River bridges were demolished in 2005, 
the new larger bridge was named the Arthur Ravnell Jr. Bridge. There's a town named for that for the Ravnells, a Ravnell car dealership, a realtor, and all kinds of other Ravnell quote unquote stuff. And in 1827, Avnel Ravnell was yeah. Anna Ravnell was 14 years old. A little young for marriage, but because she was the daughter of a wealthy family, she was already dowered to a prosperous and uh, aristocratic young man. But Anna, as young girls often are, they're fickle. They want romance. They don't want to just have this one rich dude that daddy has already kind of put forth to get ready for marriage. Like, you know what? I know, no. I want to pick my man. I don't want you to pick my man. I want to choose my dick. Yeah, I want my dick. I want the dick to work. She found love with a young man, a soldier, stationed at Fort Moultrie, located just across Charleston Harbor. Edgar Perry was his name, and he was 18 when he met Adna Ravnell. Although he was several years older, he was uh, very smart, or, or he was very uh, cultured. And just as she was, uh, she had just had enough giddiness to keep him smiling. And when Adna's father realized that she was seeing a soldier, he tried to desperately keep them separated. Uh -oh. He tried locking Adna in the house. He even tried sending thugs over to Edgar to stop him from pursuing her. But the pair always found a way to still continue meeting one another. And so, like I mentioned, they're oh, they, they somehow always found a way to be together. And sometimes these meetings ended up being at the local cemetery. Mm. On December uh, 1828, Edgar was transferred away from Port Moultrie. It's still suspected that Anna's father was behind, it. behind this all and pulled some strings. But regardless of the reason, Edgar was gone and Anna's father began to relax. He finally thought, ah, I'm going to worry about my daughter meeting up this fucking... Nobody soldier, you know what? I still got my plan in line. She's gonna marry this wealthy dude. All of a sudden, Anna was somehow stricken with fever. Possibly dengue fever as it was sweeping down the southern eastern coast during that time. His sister was able to get word to Edgar that Anna was gravely ill. But before Edgar could go get her, Anna unfortunately passed away. Damn, that sucks. Poor Edgar was devastated. And he came, still came as soon as he could, even attempting to attend Anna's funeral. But Anna's father knew and anticipated his arrival, and turned Edgar away. What a dick! Anna's father was still determined to separate the two young lovers, even in death. He purchased six plots in the Unitarian Church graveyard, the very cemetery where lovers, the same, lo well, with, they would secretly meet. He buried Anna in one grave and had the remaining five dug to a depth of three feet. All of the plots were unmarked. That way, Edgar would not know which one was Anna's grave. Even after fucking... The pettiness of the, this guy. This dude's petty, petty as fuck, bro. I, res petty, I, res bro. I respect that kind of pettiness. I don't. The, the, the fucking drive this guy has. My dude. This is why your daughter died. Edgar never properly did pay his final respects. We go over to the service records of all the soldiers. Fun fact, by the way. Get ready. Stationed at Fort Moultrie, you'll find that a young man 
named Edgar A. Perry, was there from November of 1827 to December of 1828. You also find that Perry was enlisted under a pseudonym. The real name of this love-struck soldier was actually Edgar Allen fucking Poe. Say what? So, fun fact, Moses is like a deep fucking... I'm a Poe hater. He's a, he's, he's a Poe head. He's a Poe boy. And he even did not know that Edgar Allan Poe was a soldier. I don't know he was a soldier. soldier. He, he served the military. No, he hates Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, I thought you... Wait, you hate him? Yeah, I don't like that person. Oh, I thought you... I thought that's what you got the books. That... Look, why you, look, why you gotta go there? That's true, that's true. <laughs> why you gotta true. go there? Why you gotta go you there? Fuck, you he got your stupid ass on up. that. He did. Yeah, yeah but I, I... I, Yeah, because I didn't... I mean, I, I would, I'm not gonna look into the... You know, I never went that far into it. Yeah, but apparently, fucking Poe enlisted in the army and... 1827, and not only did he enlist, this motherfucker rose to the rank of sergeant major before, you know, he just left and became this, what we now consider, sad boy. Yeah, he's a deep-ass sad boy. Records also show that while Poe was there, he befriended a a conchologist named Edmund Ravno, who kept a house on the Sullivan's Island near Fort Moultrie. In fact, it's said that that Ravno who was also one of the founders of the Medical University of South Carolina, was the inspiration for the character William Legrand in Poe's story, The Gold Buck. Charlestonians insist that Poe's last poem, named Annabelle Lee, was actually written for Anna Ravnell, and the Poe connection to Charleston is, in fact, real. Where the legend is real, well, you have to visit and decide for yourself. If the legend is true and the Charlestonians are adamant that that it is, Anna was probably not the daughter of Edmund Ravnell. Edmund would have only been 16 when Anna was born. Edmund did have a few older brothers, but there were mostly certainly several branches on the Ravnell family tree. So it's impossible to tell for sure whether they're a part of the same immediate family. It's said though, now, when the romance came to the end, Edmund closed his house on Sullivan's Island and had worked exclusively from the office in the 52 Meeting Street. Years ago, various tour companies could enter the graveyard at the Unitarian Church at uh, the 8th Arkdale Street, but the church has since closed the area to tours after dark. You can still visit during the day, though, and the entrance is between 161 and 163 King Street, marked by two brick pillars on either side. Now here's the ghost part about this whole thing. It's said that Anna Ravnell still makes appearances around her still unmarked grave searching for the love that changed her life. She's looking for Edgar Allan Poe. Still looking for Poe Boy. Well, she has no idea that like five years later, he fell in love with like his nine-year-old cousin and married yeah. her at 11. Yeah, she went sour then, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, see, now I understand why the dad didn't like Edgar Allan Poe. He, were, he, he had a z- big ass forehead. He was like ninety percent forehead. This dude was ugly. That fail with him? Was ugly. I could say that. This was ugly. Um, did they say his um? So the story and Edgar Allan Poe's life don't really match up when you look at numbers. You have to like kind of stretch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's that's fucking nuts. How that this ghost story had to do with. Fucking Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, when I was doing research on on this, there was a lot of references to Edgar Allan Poe. I'm like, dude, that's not who I'm looking for. I'm looking ah. for Anna Ravnell. 
Like, who is this? Why is he here? <laughs> not knowing. That why the, the fuck? Not knowing that the connection was because it's, that that was that was his sweetheart. Well, hey. now you know. But now you know. Oh, how, what, 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 what? how do you spell the last name? How do I spell it? The girl's last name. R A V E N E. What is Eric Allen's Allen's Paul's most famous The Raven? We just solved it. You guys heard it here first. Weird history. Make us famous. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter and The Raven. That's why I was pronouncing it Ravenel. Oh, there you go. Ravenel. I forgot how to pronounce it. How are you pronouncing it? Ravenel. Alright, that sounds that sounds like a last name. Mine sounds like a DD character, Ravenel. Ravenel. The name's Ravenel, and I'm a hood. That's cool. Like, you know. Yeah. C- cool little, little connection there. Cool little. Cool fun fact. Cool little, yeah. Cool little, fun fact. Little, little, mm. Yeah, so. Yeah, that was a oomph. That was a oomph. That was a pretty good oomph. Yeah, bro. Nice little surprising closure. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it and like was. I just said, it was a closure. Which means that is the end of our haunted places, stories, ghost stories, American ghost stories. What, what are we going to call this episode? <laughs> Little bitty tour. Uh, huh? v- vibe episode part two. It was uh, vibes. It was vibes. Vibe. <laughs> vibes. <laughs> it was a Universal Studios, right? Like f- fucking dead vibes. It was a tour uh, around the movies. Yeah. So the idea behind this episode came from a book that I own. It's called Ghostland: An American History in Haunted Places, where you could find some of these stories that we talked about today, plus a lot of fucking more stories. Uh, again, these are just haunted places in American history. There's, there's um, fuck. There's Got fuck? me yelling, fucking. I mean, yelling and yelling. There, there's stories on haunted brothels, <laughs> haunted hunts, brothels, haunted bars haunted and brothels, diners. And I know theaters. you got a story from me right now about haunted brothel. I know you read up on that bitch. I wanted to. Don't you wanted to? But then that is just like, oh, once the uh, all the girls close. The last girl who leaves to say that because this brothel was 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 built on top of haunted lands, that the couch moves, dumb shit like that. But it's a not, it's a good story. But I don't, I don't think it was, you know, for us to talk about it. You know, ain't no one trying to listen to. I mean, unless you guys want to listen to some like some sexy ghost stuff. Sexy ghost? No. I didn't get sexy, sexy ghost last time, so I don't know. <laughs> on our um, Yokai episodes. It's yeah. fun. I, didn't, I didn't get no sexy ghost. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this little, you know, little spooky episode. Um, again, as always, add us on Instagram, Weird History, Details Pod, especially if you want to see uh, the uh, Achi's first ghost story, Mr. What, what was his name? The Greenbrier Ghost? Yeah. yeah. If you want to see if how, uh, you want to be the judge, see if how handsome this oh, yeah. guy is. See this Clark Kent looking motherfucker? You, you decide. Would you, would you be willing to... Leave your best friend of a mom and get beaten to and death. Get beaten to death by this dude. For this good ass hey, looking. Not gonna lie. What was his name? Uh, was it something Ramirez? Was his name Richard, Richard Ramirez? Ramirez? Bro, I did not know that the motherfucker had such a huge fan base of girls wanting to fucking go meet him and have sex with him and get married with this dude. Even after knowing all the shit that he did, bro. And he's like, I'll get this guy. And, choke he, me to and death. he stinks. He stinks. That's the one thing he's famous for. <laughs> he stinks. Even, oh, he his, stinks. even your face was just filled of just disgust. Bro, he stinks. He fucking... <laughs> Everyone said he smelled like ass. Like he did like... Never shower, never changed. He smelled like 
armpit. They said like you could smell him talk from like two rooms down. He was just like so. His pheromones were just off the chart, bro. This motherfucker is fucking. I'm glad he is dead. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> that sounded. Man, fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> just fuck, fuck him. him. Fuck him. F- fuck him. I'll beat his ass if he was alive. Oh hell. Um, that was like slip, man. He's was... crying, dude. Fuck, break his back. Yeah. What was he? Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. That's so cool, bro. That around my hood, where I work, that the whole freaking community just went up and just fucking caught this dude. Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah, so yeah. Crazy. Where he worked, yeah. That is so crazy to me. Wait, what? Yeah, he was that. You know how like he was also known as what the high will, the, the highway killer, the highway killer, because he, ki- killer? he killed here in LA. Yeah. And in LA, there's different cities that cover the like uh, like how many cities cover the, the 710 alone? How many cities does 710 go through? Like fucking nine. Yeah. Each police department didn't talk to each other. Yeah. So he could so if he killed someone in Linwood, he'd get off. You know, he'd get on here and get off on the Southgate exit. He was a free man because yeah. the Southgate Police Department didn't speak with the Linwood Police Department. He was called as a freeway killer because he would just get on the freeway and he'd be gone. No one would know where the fuck. So he was caught in Achi's hood where Achi's is. Yeah. Mm. That was crazy. That was funny. My uh, it wasn't. It was talked about in one of our teacher meetings. I don't know, one of our uh, professional oh, really? development meetings. And then I don't know how, like, it just got brought up. Like, not in the meeting itself, but, like, I was sitting around other teachers, and it just got brought up in the conversation. I'm like, yeah, you guys know about the highway killer? I'm like, who? Alex Ramirez? Yeah, what about him? Yeah, Richard Ramirez. I mean, Richard Ramirez, sorry. Fucking over here. Um, Richard Ramirez? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he was fucking a bunch of, like, East LA dudes. Just fucking got him, found him, kicked his ass. Police had to come in and like had to stop that shit. Yeah, but yeah, that's cool. I like, I like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, it's on Instagram. Weird history. Here he tells pod. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You guys can watch some of the videos that we that we mentioned at the Cannibal Corpse music video. Uh, episode show notes. Check it out. And then, you know, you be the judge. I, as well as my brother, huge fan of this single because it sounds. It's- it's amazing. Sounds amazing. But um, I'm going to just shut, I'm gonna shut the fuck up now. And um, let you guys go. And as always, thank you guys so much. We are the Weird History. Evie Tells Pod. Do that pussy.